Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Today on the Sandro Forte podcast, I am absolutely delighted and honoured indeed to introduce Tessie Anthony de Nassau, a social entrepreneur, a businesswoman, a philanthropist, a UN AIDS ambassador, a public speaker, an activist, and probably most importantly, a mother of two. Tessie was also formerly known as HRH Princess of Luxembourg, HRH Princess of Nassau, and HRH Princess of Bourbon Palmer. Tessie is a founder and director of Finding Butterflies Consultancy Limited, which is a global consultancy featuring clients such as KPMG New Zealand and Vodafone Foundation Luxembourg. On top of this, Tessie is co-founder of Professors Without Borders, a UK registered charity that helps to bring top level educators to the doorstep of students worldwide, as well as co-founder of the fashion brand Human Highness. Incredibly, Tessie has also served five years in the Luxembourg military and has launched her own podcast, Zoom O'Clocks, to help inspire people in this time of crisis. Well, what can I say? I've used the word honour, a true honour, Tessie, to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast. And with a CV like that, I'm I'm somewhat humbled that you should find half an hour in your schedule for little old me. So thank you so much. Um, so many people speak so highly of you. And in the short time that I've known you, I concur with every positive word I've ever heard said about you. So thank you for giving us your time and sharing what I know is going to be some incredible wisdom and, a, and an extraordinary life's journey. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Sandro. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. And before our conversation started, uh, sorry to if this is embarrassing you, but you're having a conversation with your lovely auntie. And I said to you before the, the show started today, um, oh, that, that was lovely. It sounded like German. You said, no, Sandro, it was Luxembourgish. And I've in all my years, I didn't know such a language existed, but it was lovely the way you were saying it. So um, you'll have to enlighten me on another occasion. So um, I don't even know where to start with this one. Uh, first time we've had a member of the royal family on the podcast. So that's that's a first for me. So I'm a little bit nervous about this. Um, but that incredible CV, all those extraordinary things you've done. I thought Tessie, I was busy, but I look at that and it leaves me breathless. So let's just start with your background. Where did, where did the Tessie journey in life begin? Uh, and what was it like growing up as well? So, um, yeah, that's a good part to start. Uh, so <laughs> I, I grew up in Luxembourg. I'm born in Luxembourg um, of uh, the first, well, second generation really uh, living in Luxembourg. My father is Italian originally and my mom is German originally. Uh, Luxembourg as a country is really a modern fairy tale for a child to grow up in. It's very safe. You're very protected. The educational system is outstanding. The health system is working. The leadership is really, really um, 
forward thinking and really aimed at getting the best for the people. So I was very lucky to have been able to grow up in Luxembourg um, and be sheltered the way I was. Um, that said, though, growing up in Luxembourg, um, it also gave me the opportunities to, to just broaden my mind because Luxembourg is made out of such a diversity of cultures and nationalities and individuals um, and their own stories. So um, as growing up of being the daughter of my dad who worked in politics for 24 years, he's very socially uh, inclined to help communities. Um, he works still today, even though he's already ready to retire with refugee children and immigrant children who don't even speak any European language. Um, and with having such a role model in my life, I grew up to be really in tune and also really understanding what Luxembourg and what the world needs for me as a person and how I can make a difference with what I have to contribute. Um, other than that, really, I was a bit of a tomboy, loved skateboarding, uh, was building my huts in the forest, uh, was driving a tractor and a car by the age of eight with the farmer next to my grandmother's house. Uh, had cows, chickens, snakes, hamsters, hamsters, like 30 of them. My mom hated them. Had mice, had worms, all kinds kinds of insects, a horse, and so on. So very animal focused. Um, and yeah, just really a great childhood with my twin brother, my sister, my big brother. And um, yeah, so that's that's me in a nutshell. And, and that is how, what made me what I am today. Well, what you are today is, is an extraordinary person. So I, I think the other question then that leads from what you've just said is, you know, you had a, a privileged, I, I, I mean, I guess it's relative, but you had a privileged upbringing. How, how does someone like you, Tessie, overcome the privilege in the sense that you have ended up so grounded? I, I don't like using the word normal because, you know, it's different things to different people. But most people who know you will say just a, a normal girl, right? Just uh, down to earth, philanthropic, helps so many other people. We'll talk about the businesses and, and your interest in a moment. How do you, how do you deal with, because we will come across people in life who deal with privilege in different ways. There are some who deal with it very positively in the way that you have, and there are others that don't deal with it so well. What is it that led you to be the person you are today? Were there, was there a philosophy you lived by? Was it the influence of your parents, for example? Why, why are you so well-rounded? Why are you such a down-to-earth, normal person? Um, well, it's really, well, I am, I am a country girl. Um, my parents are also very normal people. Um, they're not aristocratic in any ways, um, but very, very socially inclined. And um, I must say I was really lucky because why am I saying that? Um, I lost many, many friends of mine who went to uh, kindergarten and high school with me on drugs uh, car accidents and all kinds of other things, even talking to my partner, other friends. I, I think I'm one of the only people who has lost so many friends to such bad uh, circumstances that I'm really thinking, how did I get out so well? The, to be honest, I ask myself that question often because 
Luxembourg, yes, it's very protected, but at the same time, for some reasons, you know, also in the educational system and so on, young people are very exposed to um, to street life as well. And there is a lot of crime in Luxembourg, even though people don't like to talk about that. They just like to talk about the shiny things. But, you know, <laughs> drugs, you know, um, drugs and smoking at a young age, alcohol, all of these bad things. Uh, I was exposed to that since a very young age. And, um, you know, and I, I was lucky, I guess it was also my kind of like my inner conscious who, yes, or sometimes I was also a bit of a cheeky girl. And I'm glad there's no, there was no Facebook at the time. There's no pictures of that, you know. But at the same time, um, yeah, I just had that conscious where I knew, okay, you need to stop here because it's just not good for you. But um, I, looking at some of my friends uh, that I have seen, for example, when I organize Christmas for homeless people since seven years now, I have recurrently every year people that I know from my past who were in school with me who are completely really have crashed down and it it hurts my heart because some of them are prostitutes even who sell themselves for drugs and uh, and it's just yeah I think it has to do a lot with luck but also about the people around me who who were guiding me you know my father um yes he was a very strong man and he's very opinionated and and you know he was very strict and I was scared of him when I was young. Um, but at the same time, I knew I didn't want to disappoint him. That was that. And then also, you know, my twin brother, my, my kind of like my twin soul, he, he, we were kind of watching out for each other. And then my friends as well, um, that I still love them are friends today, like Mighty and so on. You know, I think it's really about who you surround yourself with as well, which mm which protects you in some ways from the bad stuff. Uh, and I think I was very grateful within, within, that, um, within that community where I grew up. The first person I'm going to get to listen to this podcast, Tessie, is my daughter, Ellie, um, because she has a strong-minded father that, who's quite opinionated, <laughs> who, who's always been quite hard on her. But hopefully she will understand the method in my madness when she listens to you speaking. So um, you, you've, you've portrayed that, that journey and, and, as you said, those influences really articulately. Now, obviously, you've got quite a CV, so we've got to try and dive in and, and, uh, and just talk <laughs> about each each bit, if we may. So let's start, if we can, with Professors Without Borders. Uh, where, where was that idea born? What, is, what do you do? Uh, what are your objectives? Just, just give us a bit of background on, on the wonderful things you're doing there. Thank you. Yeah, Professor Borders is really uh, like my baby. Um, it was launched five years ago with two co-founders, real friends, uh, in Regents Cafe of all places, uh, after giving a visiting lecture at Regents University. So my two co-founders are both lecturers at university, one in international law and the other one um, also in law, but also in economy and economics and so on. And so uh, what we have seen is that we have incredible students. Uh, the people I work with in the UK are just bright and thirsty for change and really, you know, are there where they need to be. Um, but we have seen as well that, you know, there's so much demand from developing countries with students who are equally as thirsty. But, you know, geographics didn't 
play in their favor. Uh, because that is the only thing I can say about that, because it's really luck where we are born. And as such, you know, we decided, you know, how about we make, we give the teaching we're giving here, but for free to uh, students in developing countries and see what happens, because we do believe that giving like planting that seed can make such a difference. And out of these, uh, of that thought, really, of that idea, five years down the line, we work now in Sierra Leone, Thailand, India, Vietnam, Laos, Nigeria, Mozambique, and uh, Uganda. And it's all on a volunteer basis. So we have amazing people working with us. What we do is we provide excellent skill and um, education. So it's really the best of the best of the best. And uh, these amazing human beings who give their time for free, we pay everything for them and they give us their time and teach in summer schools. We have also a think tank now. So we're doing academic papers and partnerships with corporates as well and other academic institutions. We have a lecturer, online lecturer, where also for free, we give online lectures now in times of Corona, which has been proven to be very successful because, you know, yes, we can't go outside, but at the same time, the online courses and also the environment has just spread enormously like a wildfire. So, um, you know, it's just a good opportunity to share good knowledge and good practice even more. And um, we have a very vibrant alumni community as well, uh, where we really connect them with business and government in the regions we're operating in. Uh, I call it uh, very proudly the triangle of change just to create some conversation because often people don't speak the same language. They don't know each other. And as such, we create that link and only like that innovation can happen and real change for the future mm -hmm. can happen by including all three together in one room and see what comes out. Kind of like put them all in a box, shake it up and see what mix comes out. And uh, that has been proven to be so successful and just so inspiring for all of us and for the students that that is really the main aim that we're working on right now. Well, you've just touched, Tessie, on the reason I was so uh, eager and uh, I anticipated this podcast so much was because there are very few people in the world who are as philanthropic, as generous, as unselfish as you are. And yet you probably had the greatest excuse to just say, I, I don't need to waste my time helping other people. I, I don't need, you know, I, I have my life. I, I, you know, all the things I probably want. Uh, I, I don't need to be investing my time, my energy, pulling all these people together to help the needs of, of humankind. So, you know, where does this passion and this love of other people come from that's compelled you to, give so much of yourself to, to the world's community? Well, I have it since I'm a young girl, always. Started with my neighbors and my friends and also the influence, of course, of my dad. My dad, he has people ringing on his door day and night and I have never seen him send away one person. Like he really listens to them, sees how he can help each and every one of them. He's just so generous with his time and his commitment. Like he creates whole projects for them from nothing and gets them into parliament so people can actually listen to the needs of the people of the country. And that has always inspired me greatly. You know, my dad, of course, as every human being has his own faults, but within that, he's just 
an incredible human being. But that said, you know, um, when you do that and when you're so generous in giving and, and just including everyone, I love connecting people as well, seeing what happens. Um, it is not in the best interest of everyone. So I have also found quite some resistance because people, they, they just, I don't know what it is. Um, they just thought, didn't like me to do so many things that I was doing. So um, that's also hence um, why I got divorced. You know, some people really, really didn't like it that uh, I was just really genuinely doing what I was doing, that I would kind of like put them in the shade and uh, became a competition. And uh, yeah, I think still nowadays, and that's why I speak about that as well. I think it's so important that when we do something, especially women with women, that we really do it with integrity and authenticity and that we really full-heartedly support one another and not just for the show, um, to really in the heart say, you're doing something great. How can I help you? How can we collaborate? It doesn't always need to be for free. You know, some people, I compensate them as well. It's also about collaboration. There's no problem, but it's just about having the right conversations mm. and not having shallow conversations. And then after being stuck in a gridlock because actually the right intentions were never there from the start. Mm. So I think I have learned that as well to really kind of like, um, kind of like identify the beautiful shiny flowers from the weeds because um, nowadays as well in the world of charity and philanthropy, as you will know, Sandro, there's a lot of talking and there's a, there's also a lot of people who take advantage of the system and um, yeah, I want to shed a light on that as well, because yes, I'm not perfect at all, but what I do, I really, really want to make a difference. And it might not seem much to many, but for me, it really, you know, it just, it just works. And uh, I want my children to see that as well. And for them, maybe hopefully one day to continue the work and the legacy that I'm creating for our family to really Make them understand, as you said, you know, yes, we are privileged in our own rights, but privilege comes with a lot of responsibility and it comes with an opportunity to really open these doors, which are locked with 7,000 locks for a lot of people to just break these up and open the door, put a chair in the door and let as many people in as possible who would not be able to enter that room any other way. And I think that is what I want to do. That let's, is what add, <laughs> let's add the word humble to your list of beautiful characteristics. Um, and, and going back to what you said earlier about some people not liking what you do, all I can say in response to that, Tessie, is brilliance is sometimes intimidating to people. So just keep doing what you're doing. Um, finding butterflies. Let's talk about that now. Um, again, you could be forgiven after everything you've just told me, shared with, with everyone listening. Uh, that that would probably be enough for most people, but not enough for, for Tessie. So finding butterflies is, a, is another one of your creations. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, finding butterflies was created because also as a human being, yes, okay, I was married to a royal, but that doesn't mean that I have a royal bank account by any means. <laughs> um, and as such, as a single mom of two beautiful teenagers, you know, I also need to be the bread bearer and make sure that they get what they need. And, uh, you know, life is expensive. And as such, um, I launched Finding Butterflies. I was lucky that I could do it because I needed more time with my children. 
you know, during the times of the divorce and everything, they needed me the most. And being employed was just not an option. So I said, okay, I'm going to downscale because I had a great job. I worked for Vice Media. I was the director for Middle East, Africa, and Europe. For Impact, I launched all of the departments and it was really an incredible job. I loved it. But it just, you know, I was traveling a lot to the Middle East. I was always away and everything. And that was just not accommodating anymore the life I needed for my children as well, needed me the most as a teenager and everything. So um, I decided to create my own company the day after my divorce was finalized to, um, to really create something that works for me, where I can work with clients that I like working with, um, that I really think are making a difference in the world. And at the same time, having some more time for my children and for the life and for the charity work that I'm doing on the site as well. So um, finding butterflies in a nutshell is really a strategic consultancy, which works on strategic communication in the domain of sustainability and impact also on women inclusion and educational projects are included within that. And um, within that I, I create really, I look at the company's uh, footprint, impact footprint, if you want, and um, I work with them on creating new projects or fine tuning the ones that they have and really bringing them one step up to become better within the core frame of the company. Um, because what I have seen as well, a lot in the space of impact and sustainability, even impact investing and so on, it's kind of almost like a dirty word now because everyone misuses it so much. Uh, what I'm meaning with that, a lot of people put a red lipstick on the pig, if you know what I mean. Like they, they just put green filters and I really want companies to, if they are really willing to make a difference and actually become a company that cares about the community and the environment, then I'm ready to work with them and help them to include that into their DNA rather than replacing anything. It's all about inclusion and adaptation and innovation. And that is what I do. And I, and I really like that because um, some of the companies I have been working with, like the Vodafone Foundation in Luxembourg, who specializes now in, in uh, girls' education in the STEM field. Who would have thought, right? Um, and at KPMG New Zealand, the project there, I was working with the Christchurch Foundation and the Christchurch area after the shooting uh, in March two years ago uh, in the mosque. And so it was all about, you know, um, youth inclusion, education, business in the area, innovation, communication. So I was writing them a strategic report on their region, what I seen as an outsider and how I think they could improve some of the domains and areas, also in, in, uh, improve collaboration between the different domains and markets. And it's just, you know, I really emerge myself in it. And it's it's like creating all over again, these beautiful new projects, which eventually obviously walk on their own. But in the background, I know oh, I have been part of that. And it's just so beautiful to see. So that's uh, Finding Butterflies in a nutshell. Now, people listening to this podcast don't have the benefit of, of looking into your eyes when, uh, when we're having this conversation. I've, I've spoken to lots of people over the years, Tessie, many of them podcast guests, and I say this with no disrespect intended to any of them whatsoever, but a lot of people talk about their passion and the things that they want to do to improve the lives of other people. I have never, I, I mean this sincerely, I've never heard it and seen it at the same time. And what I mean by that is when I speak to you about your passion for life and all the things that you do, you smile through your eyes when you, when you talk about it. So that says to me that there is a 
it's more than passion. It, it's kind of something that's almost all consuming. I think I would be right in saying, um, it clearly means a, a huge amount to you. We, we, we actually have a, just a sideline. We have a, a lot in common, you and I, uh, which I wasn't aware of when we were doing our research. Number one, you're, you're one of two twins. I have twin children. Uh, our fathers are Italian. We're both divorced. Uh, we might even <laughs> touch on that in a moment. Uh, and we're both philanthropic. Although comparing your CV to mine, I feel uh, almost worthless in your presence. <laughs> so, um, I think, yeah. I think, and I hear, that, I hear that sometimes. And you know what I answer you to that, and what I tell everyone: we all have our own cross to carry, and uh, you know, you are one piece of the puzzle, and so am I. And we need both pieces to finish the puzzle. And I think that is how we need to look at life: that we all complement one another. There's no, there, no one does less than the other. We're all on the same stair, and we're all going upwards together that's the only way i'm looking at it beautifully philosophical i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna remind myself of that when i have my moments of self-doubt um now you talk about cross to bear you talk about you know you not being a perfect person and, and I've, I've always been a believer that what makes life and people so perfect is its imperfections so uh, you know along the way I don't want to go deep dive and start asking questions about your divorce. That's personal to you. But just as a general subject, you know, I've been there, you've been there. We've all had moments in our life where if we could rewind things and do them a different way, maybe we would, or maybe philosophically, we just say, you know what, we'll, we'll dealt the cards we are and we live with what we've got. But, you know, clearly Tessie Anthony Danassau has had obstacles challenges along the way let's let's remind the listeners to put this into perspective for them that this hasn't been a, you know an upward only tra trajectory in life life hasn't always been flatline perfect for you so how do you deal with the challenges and obstacles that you face whether it's you know uh, the, the prejudices you face and, and the misconceptions around who you are what you stand for where you came from uh, failures in business uh, failed relationships, whatever it happens to be. How do you deal with those challenges in life, Tessie? Well, the thing is, you know, I needed to learn the hard way that I cannot please everyone. That is really one of my internal weaknesses and failures really still today where I think, you know, why couldn't I make that work, right? We're talking about the divorce and so on. But the thing is, you know, I learned that no matter how hard I work, no matter how much philanthropy I do, no matter whatever really I do, just breathe, some people will not like that. And they will write about it the way they want. They will talk about it the way they want. They will put as many stones in front of me the way they think it fits in order to block me where they can. And you know what? I just, I just learned to become you know, even nicer, even kinder. And, you know, I truly, I truly believe that, you know, some things that don't happen, they're just not meant to be happening. And that when one door closes, there's at least 10 free, or 10 or other three that will open at the same yeah. time. And yes, it's hard. I had my days as well where I was crying at home because I was working full-time, studying full-time with the kids, doing the divorce as a litigant in person, alone in court against three of the biggest law firms in the UK. 
doing my paperwork, trying to categorize everything, trying to get everything together, calling some of my friends. No one had time to come and help me just before the big start of the court case the day after. And, you know, I had these moments too, or moments where I think I'm a bad mom because sometimes I just need to work more or I need to be more strict with them. Or, um, you know, even with my ex-husband, you know, I tried hard, but even thinking about it now, you know, sometimes I even told a friend a few days ago, you know, I said we were walking in the forest and I said, you know what, you know, sometimes my ex-husband wanted just to go for a walk with me in the forest as well. And I just didn't take the time because I was so busy trying to build our life to bring us independence from his parents that, so it was in a good way, but I really, you know, we just started falling apart because I was working so much and he was not. And so it was just, yeah, we, we just started speaking different languages and looking back at it, it's definitely one of my big learnings that I needed to learn to live more the moment and stop worrying so much about tomorrow because, you know, it's again, back to your question, you know, how do I overcome that? It's just, you need to make your decisions, what is right for you at the right time when you want it. Because if you start living a life other people want from you, you will never be good enough. So I think looking at the mirror every morning, I tell myself, you know, you are enough. And this is what I want to do today. I make myself a little list. And yes, some people say, oh, I don't want to work with you because I might get a call from the palace saying, if you work with them, we're not talking to you anymore and stuff like that, which happens. And that's fine. Then I'm like, okay, well, you know, next, right? Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it hurts sometimes, but you know, you cannot change other people and the way they see you. You will never. And at the same time, you cannot change the circumstances, but you can change the way you react to it. And I have seen that positivity and kindness kills every weed you have in your way. And yes, it hurts. It's it's a muscle you need to train in your brain as well. Sometimes I'm just like, ah, I'm like, I want to kill this pillow, you know, because I'm just like, this is not fair. And yes, five minutes after my, my tendrum, Italian tendrum, I'm just like, okay, resume what do you do now and and just start it again and yes sometimes it's harder than others but I think that is just what life is about and I don't want to compare myself to anyone else's life um, but for me these are the challenges I face with myself my inner demon as well mm. and um, I think it's it's a muscle you need to train to be resilient Yes, you will fall, but so does a baby when a baby stops to walk. And even when we're adults, we still trip and, and break out some teeth. You know, it does happen all the time. And I think it's just to keep moving forward, no matter what the life gives, what life gives you, just try and it's hard, but try to look at it in a positive way. What is the lesson I need to learn from that really stupid conversation I just had or from that really bad situation or from that person who just stabbed me in the back? like literally without a grin on his or her face. What do I do now? What can I learn from this? And I think that is really where growth happens and where you create mm. that resilience and that, that, that strength to keep moving forward. I'm, uh, I'm comforted, Tessie, to know that you have Italian tantrums as well. That's, uh, that's good to hear. <laughs> it happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it does. Okay, well, after five minutes. Let's leave her <laughs> 
it's the it's the way we're built. It's in our DNA. Um, now let's just talk about the the Luxembourg military. Uh, you know, you're a you're an att- a very attractive lady. I take that Not as it's meant. Um, you're a very attractive lady. Um, you know, got a, an amazing background um again could have been forgiven for saying you know what i'm not signing up for that but not only did you join the luxembourg military you received united nations and nato medals in recognition of such service i mean which is i can only think of the word incredible so do you just excel at everything you do because because it seems to me that kind of everything you lay your hands on you you have to do brilliantly well is that is that true well, you know, it might seem like it. It's kind of like that quote, you know, it, it seems easy for you to look at it, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't been hard for the per- for the person to create. So um, military career was crazy, I tell you. Um, I joined actually because my father thought it was a great idea. And um, and my twin brother was really struggling with me because I was, I was in the same group as him. And he was like, ah, you know, because my feet were bleeding and it sucked sometimes, you know, my feet were bleeding and, 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 I was hungry. I couldn't sleep. All of these like 50 kilogram bags carrying and all of that. So I lost my gun. Then I shot my brother with blind munition, needed to dig him a hole, like all of these stuff the whole time. So I was just like, why am I doing this again? Please remind me. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I made the most amazing uh, experiences. You know, I was in Kosovo as the only woman with 500 men, broke two noses to protect my body against sexual assault by other militaries. Um, but all of these things really paved the way that where I am today. You know, why do I work so much in women empowerment? It's because of that. Why do I speak about sexual violence and conflict? It's because of that. Why do I respect the military so much? And why do we need more women in the armed forces? It's because I have seen it. And um you know, the accelerating and if everything is so perfect for me, it, it's not true. You know, I am failing as well within the process and that's okay. It's just that I don't, if I don't share, it doesn't mean it is not there. Also at the same time, when something I tell my kids, which is really important is when you do something, do it properly. Don't take shortcuts. So yes, I didn't want to stay there after the four months of booth camp because I was done. You know, I was just like, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I want like my girlfriends just go out on the weekends and have a good time and everything. But because I was only 18 years old, right? Uh, When you finally could get some alcohol and go to a club, right? (laughs) No, I was in the military and I was working in the evenings as well after the military. And so, um, yeah, but I learned you don't start something and then break it up. You continue and you finish it properly until you learned what you needed to learn. Of course, there comes the question, when do I know I learned a lot? When do I know it's enough? That only you can know when you really see, okay, this is, I see now where I can go next. Like for me, for example, I studied trauma psychology as well while I was in the military, graphic design and teaching uh, in in evening classes. Uh, And so it was really about, you know, where do I go next? Because for me, actually, the military, I loved it so much, but I needed to leave the military because my father-in-law said I needed to leave. He requested it. He said I was not allowed to work anymore in Luxembourg and do anything, uh, which was really hard for me. I still was working, which is also why the problems happened after. But um, it was just it was just not seen as appropriate anymore after being married. And and for me, that was really hard because I really loved that continuous pushing uh, of, of stigma and gender 
stereotypes, you know, because obviously in the military, it is as good as it gets, right? Man and woman, you know, there you really see what people think about gender. And um, I learned so much from that, that I'm actually grateful to my father-in-law who said, you need to leave the military because would he have not said that I would have stayed in the military and who knows what I would be doing now. But because he said that I needed to diversify again and innovate myself again. And that is why I started working with the UN. That is why I started to work with UNA UK for sexual assault and, and peacekeeping. That is when I worked with NATO in Norfolk, Virginia, with all of the generals. They thought I was there for coffee for the first two hours. And then they, they realized I was not there for coffee. Um, but just all of these stories, you know, it all it's all connected. And I think human beings need to understand that whatever you do today, will have an effect sometimes down the line in your life um, and how it benefits you and your story and your work and how it makes you grow. But also, if you want to, how you can change other people's lives for the best through that experience. Wow. So, so beautifully philosophical. Um, so very, very briefly, because I've the cut time came and went 10 minutes ago. Um, but what the message of your of your brand, the, the fashion brand, Human Highness, just quickly tell us about that. So Human Highness is made by woman for woman um, with my co-founder, Millie Maya. We just launched it in Luxembourg Fashion Week and you can see it on our social media pictures. Wow. It was really like a secret baby. Even my twin brother, after the day after the launch, was like, when, when did you do that? And I said, well, I didn't want to tell anyone because I didn't want any judgments I wanted to be free to do what I wanted it to look like um, before anyone would tell me their opinions. And um, so the, 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 the message is really about women to, to amplify their invisible wings that they already have and kind of like strengthen them and make them feel elegant and just, you know, uh, give them that power that they already have inside them, but make it visible to other people. Because when you wear a normal jacket, it gives you a different feeling than when you wear a cape from it's from just from the fa from the fabrics itself and the way it falls. I just want women to feel ready to whatever they need to conquer. Is it in business? Is it everyday life? Is it just a mom going for a walk with the stroller? You know, whatever it is that woman needs. I hope that the cape keeps them warm, but also at the same time empowers them to be the woman, to be a better woman even tomorrow than they have been today. I love it. That's well done you. And so how do people find out? Well, let me ask you one more question, actually, just, just because I'm going to indulge for another five minutes. While I've got you here, Tessie, I'm making the most of it. <laughs> um, Tessie Anthony Dadasau's mission. What's your mission as, as, a, as a human being in terms of the life that you're leading, the life you continue to want to lead in the future? Do you have, do you have a, like a mission? Do you have a, I don't know, a, a, a mantra, a philosophy? Uh, a set of rules by which you live? Hmm. That's a really, really strong question. Well, the first thing that comes into my mind is that I live my life as if, as if I were to stay on this planet and never leave, so never die. I think if you think about it like that, the choices you make and the way you look at the environment, your children, the community, your work, your legacy will just be very different because... There is no end date. Um, so that is kind of the philosophy that I use every day. I love that. 
that's Thank lovely because I mean most people say you know I live my life as if today is my last I mean you you've turned it upside down and just said you know why does today need to why don't I just live for the whole of eternity and and see my life's work manifesting itself in all these different ways I think that's a lot I've never heard that before that's a really lovely way of of kind of positioning things I guess how do, how I mean there are lots of things that you do how do people find out more about you Tessie so if they were listening now as as many many, many, many people are, thankfully. Um, they want to find out more about your website, social media presence. Uh, it, you know, is there anything that people, where, where can people go to find you in a, in a public place? Yes, of course. So um, I have a Twitter, it's Tessie underscore DE. Then I have my Instagram, Tessie underscore from underscore Luxembourg. Very innovative. Then well I done. have <laughs> then I have my website, um, um, tessiedenassau.com. And my LinkedIn, Tessie Anthony Denassau. And what I encourage people listening in here, if you have more questions, but also if you have some cool projects where you think, what do you think? Or if you just want to talk, you know, I'm always available because I think it's it's important for people to know that you know i'm no one is too good to make time for other people um in any circumstance so if i can help i happily do and and if it's just for a chat to uh, you know sometimes just moms write me or some of the fan mail I get I have a fan mail address as well which you find on my Instagram for my PO box I get these hundreds and hundreds of letters every month from all over the world from Indonesia to Kyrgyzstan to to France Portugal Thailand like amazing countries some of them I have not even visited with really their stories some of them saying hey I just came out for being gay and you know and I'm so scared telling anyone so just all of these intimate things as well up until oh I have this business what do you think this is my business plan can you give me some advice so I have it really from all different perspectives and I'm always so grateful when people find the time as well to write me and share some of the glimpse of their life because I learn every day from each and every one of you listening and everyone writing me because, you know, we're all in here to make this world a better place and collaboration and communication is the only way forward to get there. Uh, final question, Tessie. Uh, let's, let's imagine one of your children comes up to you and says, mom, you know, I, I stood back and I've, I've watched your amazing journey through life in the time that I've been alive. And I, now I'm really looking for some guidance as to how, I can make the best of my own life, how I can serve others, uh, build a life of meaning, leave a legacy, whatever it happens to be. What would the one piece of advice that you'd give to that child be, given all of your amazing life's experiences, that journey that you've been on, the good and the bad, all those learnings that you, you talk about? What would the one piece of advice be if you could crystallize it, encapsulate it in one or two sentences? Mm. It's really about respecting other people for who they are and for their time. I think for everything else, it comes by itself. But I think, you know, as soon as we start respecting other people, we don't judge them. We are automatically more empathetic and more kind towards them and more compassionate, whatever it might be. And at the same time, I think respect other people's time. So these two things are things I tell my children every day. And I think this is really the way forward because once people feel respected and included and welcomed and taken serious, 
you know, they open up more to you and who knows where that door will bring you. So definitely something like that uh, would be something I would tell any other kid listening to that, any, any other adult, because it's never too late to be respectful and respect other people's time. Well, you've been a, a truly, truly wonderful guest today. Thank you so much. I, I was uh, eagerly anticipating today. It's taken a long time to organise, uh, but I'm so glad we've had the opportunity. I'm really looking forward to um, to getting together next month when hopefully we can we can meet up, uh, all the new rules permitting. Um, but Tessie Anthony Danasso, thank you so much for joining us on the Sandro Forte podcast today. You are going to enrich the lives of very, very many people. Um, so the best of luck and kudos to you for all that you're doing, all that you'll continue to do, I'm sure. Um, but for now, thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank you, Sandro. And thank you everyone for listening.